Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And happy Thanksgiving. We're looking at Splash. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Just thinking about pumpkin pie and <laughs> pecan pie and other kinds of pie, really. How are you? Just all the pies. Uh, I am good as well. Listener, before we move on, don't forget to like, subscribe, write a review. Be sure to tell a friend if you are enjoying the show and would like us to keep making more episodes. <laughs> uh, and be sure to check out, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash and almost starring. Wow. Where for $3 a month, you're getting all of our episodes early. For $5 a month, you're getting a bonus episode every single month, including a whole back catalog of episodes just waiting for you, uh, including episodes on Thor Ragnarok and Adam's Family Values, commentaries on The Fly, Jaws, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. And this month, we got a full length supersized episode breaking down the office the american sitcom the office a sitcom uh, jeff so what sure. a departure for us sounds fun <laughs> it sure does and it sure was that was a fun episode on the office uh so be sure to check us out at patreon.com slash and almost starring as for our film this week splash came out on march 9th 1984 and was directed by ron howard and written by bruce j friedman lowell gans and babaloo mandel Image Joe, what is your experience with Splash? Had you seen it before? I had not. And upon watching it, I immediately realized I had no idea what this movie was about or the tone to expect. Oh. <laughs> I knew there was a mermaid. That part I knew. Okay. I knew it was Daryl right. Hannah as a mermaid. Tom Hanks also <laughs> in the movie. Yes. So there we go. That is what I knew as well, because I also had never seen this before. Uh, but we are doing this film because it is a listener request from Chelsea. So thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, Chelsea. And if you want to request a film for us to check out the casting of, uh, be sure to email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. So, Splash was a pretty, like, small budget film. It's only an $11 million budget. Pretty low stakes for a comedy. And it made just shy of $70 million wow. in the U.S. And somehow was, not to throw shade, somehow was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Yep. Wow. Yep. I mean, I yep. will say it definitely <laughs> has a lot of jokes. Like, more jokes. This is yep. more capital C comedy than I was expecting from this. I don't know. Again, I don't know what I was expecting. Like a real murky comedy. dramedy. No, obviously not. It's called Splash. I didn't. Like. Like Marriage Story, but with a mermaid. That is uh, also not what I was expecting. I guess it just wasn't. Ex I didn't know John Candy was in this movie till you told me. Like, and also we're uh, looking at Freddie played by John Candy. I was like, John Candy's in this movie. This must be a real comedy. <laughs> well, they were hoping it would be by putting John Candy and Eugene Levy. In. Let's fill it with more comic actors. Yeah, I'm curious what else was nominated for best original screenplay. Not again. Not to throw shade. It is definitely lots of jokes, but yeah. I mean, it's surprising for what is at its heart just a 
like a rom-com a silly fantasy. little rom-com like a, it's a silly little rom-com it's like i mean just trying to think of i mean very different films but thinking of stuff like i don't know like romancing the stone it's like i don't think romancing the stone got nominated for an oscar for best screenplay it's like that's it's just a little surprising is yeah all. just also given the academy's propensity for snobbery yeah they don't like those comedies you think that well maybe this is uh, they like Guillermo Ron del Howard, Toro. you know Guillermo del Toro <laughs> knew Look, that they gave a screenplay not to this and he was like fine you know what Peep, the Oscars are gonna want Shape of Water. They like to see humans and fish people getting it on. Did you know I was thinking of Shape of Water watching this? Um, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. But I also read something recently that like Guillermo del Toro was in talks to do a, like a remake or a reimagining of Creature from the Black Lagoon, and then like oh. he wanted it to be very creature focused and like kind of you know humanize not human but right. you know what i mean like uh give give the creature yeah, like but you know humanize yeah. humanize the creature just sure. not uh in, in like you know amphibianized um but uh they kind of the studio couldn't see their way toward like a, a creature centric version of it and um so he stepped away and then like a few years later made this and it's like clearly has some elements yeah which is funny you say that because originally the pitch of this film was from the mermaid's perspective it was about this mermaid who winds up like finding herself in new york and is having this adventure and meets this guy but Someone it starts between from the moon and <laughs> new york city but uh it no one liked that pitch they just couldn't get on board until it was like well what if we put it from the perspective of the man and they were like whoa now, now. i understand what's so funny Stop is drilling there's hit oil. a lot of imagery in this that is directly in disney's animated little mermaid like there's mm. there's a lot of stuff i'm like this is that but obviously it predates that and yeah. like that is i don't know from the perspective of the mermaid you know um so it's just interesting to think that would be only be a few years later yeah this movie like helped set a lot of things that then were then utilized including the fact that ariel in little mermaid was originally a blonde and then they changed her to a redhead so she wouldn't resemble daryl hannah in this film so much wow an, an iconic yeah. ginger you know iconic ginger but also an iconic mermaid tail because like the design of this tail oh yeah is what then was riffed on from so many mermaids after this like the look i i forget exactly but there was like a few different like types of fin designs and they settled on maybe a koi fish or something but it just huh. gave it that vibrant color because yeah. the other colors kind of got blended i'll bet it in, in the, the water in the tank poor daryl hannah how much swimming did this gal have to do I mean, true, but here's the thing. Daryl Hannah <laughs> wanted to be a mermaid, like, growing up. But, like, she I mean, she who, tried, who didn't? <laughs> but, like, she w tried to get a movie based on The Little Mermaid made before Splash. Wow. Like, she, like, she'd always wanted to play. She was fascinated by the story. Um, according to the DVD documentary, Hannah had been swimming quote mermaid style with her legs bound together since she was a child due to her fascination with the hans christian anderson little mermaid story and so they said that she would swim so fast with the mermaid tail on that she would like go faster than her handlers could keep up with her to wow. like make sure she was safe yeah you add a fin to that kind of uh dedication and practice and suddenly you've got a propeller yeah and and i should say the mermaid tail was designed and created by academy award-winning visual effects artist robert short but the tail was quite difficult to remove. So for the sake of efficiency, Hannah would just 
keep it on while the cast had lunch they recalled that they would because they'd either try to like bring her up and then just drop her on the deck and she's just just like now i'm just cold and shivering with barnacles in my hair but she can't really eat because she can't go to the bathroom wearing this tail so but or she would just stay in the water and they would just like throw french fries over the side of the tank to her Oh, wow, 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 wow. But let's get into the plot, shall we? So spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Splash like me and Amy Joe, or you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. So in 1964. No, no, no. E- Cape Cod 20 years ago. You're right. Cape Cod 20 years ago I worked today. at Cape Cod 20 years ago, and it looked exactly the same. <sighs> of course, I rode this boat with all these people in these 60s outfits. That's just how it is. Well, you, I mean, doesn't need to be the 60s. You're still going to be wearing your 60s outfits, Amy Jo. Heck, you know me. Uh, But so little baby Tom Hanks is with his family and his brother, his little stinker brother, John Candy, who's just dropping all all this change to look up women's skirts. I think they do such a great job in the screenplay of setting up John Candy at every turn. Like, you know, it's John Candy, but like... Of setting up exactly who this guy is, (laughs) like the car, the pennies, the all of that. Just every entrance he makes, you're like, oh, Freddy's back. Yeah. And Alan, (laughs) he's fascinated by something below the surface of the water, jumps overboard. uh, And like this kid is choosing death and his brother continues to look up skirts. I'm like, your brother is dead. He's in, he's gone. He is going for it. But he is like, has this little encounter with a little girl mermaid um, and then is rescued on the boat. Uh, And so 20 years later now, today. This morning. This morning. uh, We meet grown-up Alan, grown-up Tom Hanks and his brother, John Candy. Uh, And Hanks is now co-owner of a wholesale fruit and vegetable business. And we were getting like a little bit sketched in like Tom Hanks through the years. All of his relationships have failed. He just has trouble admitting to being in love and it'll never happen for him. Yeah, he gets broken up with. I do love I mean, Hanks, angry, angry oh. Hanks is some of the best Hanks. Baby we get. angry Hanks. Every time he shouted something, it made me laugh. But yeah, him and Candy, they're at this wedding and Hanks is just like, because everyone's asking like, oh, is, you know, is she going to. Yeah. Where's Victoria? Where's Victoria? And it's like, ah, she couldn't make it. Like, ah, she's sick. Ah, and she someone just says hi. And he's like, she left me. She, my life is in tatters. What do you want? Okay. Go in. Have your seat. Yeah. There's the other <laughs> one where the, the one right before. Yeah. It's just like, oh, oh, she, she's sick. She couldn't make it. Then, oh, she has a really bad flu. She, she couldn't, she couldn't come. And then like. She's not here. You want your money back? And then yeah. just scream. She left me. Like the escalation is is uh, very funny. And his the the way that they make everything in this movie about being from New York City, I think, also feeds into like his short temperedness. Is that a word? And uh, I think it, that sure. that to me is also reading like, oh yeah, this is a guy from New York. Got a short fuse. Yeah, I loved it. I love seeing Tom Hanks rage because he's still so charming and lovable when he does it. Um, But he is uh, pretty depressed after this breakup. So he decides he gets completely hammered. He gets in a cab and asks the cabbie to take him to Cape Cod. Um, This whole sequence, he's... He's trying to go to this island. He gets this guy, Fat Jack, to I have, I have take him a, the in this little, little boat, boat. I have a lot of questions about the Cape Codness of it all as someone who's worked there a number of times. What island? Martha's Vineyard? This would make more sense if they're talking about like, yeah, you're off the coast of Maine. There's like 
unless I am much mistaken, there's not an island to go to. And also, I don't believe there's coral reefs off the coast of Cape Cod. No, in fact, in the Hudson. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Because, you, you know, if you want to tell me there's a mermaid kingdom, queendom off the coast of uh, Cape Cod, maybe I'll buy it. You want to tell me that there is anything good looking under the Hudson? I don't think so. <laughs> Calling shenanigans. But yeah, this Hanks can't swim. The boat like stops working and this guy just jumps out. And I'm like, is this guy also a secret mermaid? How he's like, oh, it's just a few miles to shore. I'll be right back with the little boat. Oh, yeah. They also <laughs> the the two like inept guys who are helping out Eugene Levy, who's also like just shown up at this point, like have the thickest down east New England accents that like Maine are kind of ah, yeah? oh, oh over there then like that sort of thing. Oh, it was delicious. <laughs> Uh, I, I could eat, eat up that accent <laughs> with a spoon. I adored it. Eugene Levy is do as Dr. Walter Cornbluth, who's on a diving expedition. We don't know why yet. We learn soon enough. Uh, but Hank's like he tips. He's overboard. He gets whacked in the head by the boat. Um, he's sinking. He's drowning. His wallet falls yes, out. At this point, point, I wrote because I didn't know the plot. So I see the wallet dropping. He's been hit in the head. And oh, my notes just say, I smell amnesia, which uh, wasn't the way that it I went. I so but... too. I figured it sure did not. And then he, he wakes up uh, realizing he's been saved. But, and by... this is a very Prince Eric on the beach after Ariel saves him. The shot is the same. Yeah. Like there's it just like so much of it. I'm like. How much of Splash were the animators watching? I think they had it on in the background the entire <laughs> process. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, this, sh this you know, this is clearly way pre-enchanted, but if Daryl Hannah was also communing with like some lobsters and crabs. Those lobsters live in fear of her. Have you seen how she eats a lobster? That's like true. they're not coming close. No, that's true. Uh, Daryl Hannah was vegetarian at the time, so they filled. It was actual lobster. What I saw, which then surprised me, seeing the movie, I saw that they used actual lobster shells, but they filled it with mashed potatoes and like hearts of palm. But she's biting yeah. into the shell. She's biting into the skin. So I don't really know. I don't know. Dana. Um, but yes, she is. We meet uh, naked Daryl Hannah on this beach, and I had only seen this clip of this movie. The only thing I'd seen in this movie was this one little clip. Because a lot this made the rounds on Twitter a few years ago. So I assumed this was the end of the movie. Because they're having this passionate kiss. She runs off into the ocean. I'm like, oh, this is your ending. Because then Hanks is gonna follow her out into the water. And then I was like, oh no, this is their first their how they meet right, after right, right. the pr prologue with them as kids. But I'm like, oh, they're she the first thing they do is kiss. I'm like, they are making out oh, so much throughout so this much. entire film. Um, but we get the now iconic shot of Daryl Hannah running into the ocean, which and if you were watching this film in theaters, you were just seeing some Daryl Hannah behind. But if you're watching it on Disney Plus, you are seeing some awful CGI some really hair terrible going down her back yeah. and her butt. It just looks like the hair is growing out of her butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not quite the Lady Godiva fantasy I think they were going for. Not quite. Well, you know, this is pre-PG-13 mm. rating. So it's like, well, this clearly isn't an R movie. But now today it's like a child can't see a butt. They can't know about butts. That a buttocks? That butts exist. Is in the wild? <laughs> buttocks on my TV? Eugene Levy, Dr. Cornbluth, he's diving and he spots the mermaid, but he can't get a picture. He fumbles the camera. 
He, I mean, he's fumbling in a lot he of sure things does. in this he film. Sure this is a fun does. little fumbly. Oh Eugene yeah, angry and fumbly. You know, angry and fumbly. So the mermaid finds Alan's wallet and uses. She's like lives in this sunken ship? <laughs> question mark. Another Little Mermaid Disney film. Yeah, that's true. Situation. She's got all of her little charts and maps, and she uses that to be like, oh, Ahoy! Okay, I'll just. I know where it is. Right, I'll go swim to New York and to go find Alan. I'll go now... swim to New York. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she comes ashore at the Statue of Liberty and is arrested for indecent exposure because okay, she's wait. once again I need to take, naked yes, for most naked. of this movie. I need to take several moments to discuss this like tour guide at the base, like this like ranger. Welcome to the Statue of Liberty. Like the most ridiculous, cartoonish New York accent. And then when when they're like, this ain't California. We don't go in for that. <laughs> Just like all the absolute leaning so hard into everyone's stereotypes of New York. It's clearly made by people from California, but with a loving uh, sensibility. I'll say this. A. I got to give a special shout out to this guy's like first, not first line, but the first line when he sees Daryl Hannah, which is bocce balls. <laughs> right, right. A, a perfect line delivery across the board from him. But this guy, Stan the tour guide, he's not just some random actor. This is Lowell Gans, the screenwriter. Oh. So they, they all, they've got cameo appearances, him and Babalu Mandel. Lowell Gans is the Stan the tour guide. Babalu Mandel plays the man in charge of the ice skate rentals who tackles oh, yeah. Hanks to get his skates back. Which I thought was great. And just to throw all cameo appearances out now, we also have director Ron Howard's father, actor Rance Howard, is Mr. McCullough, the guy at the beginning of the film yelling at Hanks about wanting his cherries. Oh, yeah. Uh, This furious guy. That's great lines and great line delivery there, too. I don't get my cherries in five minutes. You know, something, something, you starve and you die. Yeah. And uh, Ron's brother, Clint Howard, uh, is the guy that Hanks yells at outside the wedding the one that we just spotlighted oh earlier, yeah the, the, guy br- really the bride's brother that's so fun this tour guide is great Re- i mean yeah that's the having the new yorkers having to respond to like hey it's this crazy naked broad running around it's another day in new york hey this ain't california just <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but just assume i mean with the way that they've done her hair with like this like crimped yeah the 80s-ness of it she is given strong hippie dippy vibes Very. too. So I'm like, I get it. I get that you think this is just some crazy free love hippie. Just like, I can't walk around naked. I'm pretty sure that's my right. I grew all this hair out. Surely I can do whatever I want. So the police, because she still has Hanks's wallet. So they get in touch with him. He comes by to pick her up. Um, and it's just like, she doesn't speak. Another but, little now that's direct any kind of little more. But yeah, she's lost her voice, although she never had it, you know, just right. Because she doesn't English. know she doesn't know English, which she will learn soon enough from watching TV. This is a real Mila Jovovich and Fifth Element, Lilu Dallas yes, multipass. <laughs> you just give her an hour to watch TV and now she speaks fluent English. I know Kung Fu. And she should know Kung Fu. If Daryl Hannah was doing Kung Fu as well, that'd oh, man. be pretty, if, pretty cool. If we were to, you know, foreshadow Kill Bill, that's, that would really oh. be tremendous. Well, that's all I was thinking later when she's wearing Tom Hanks's suit. I was like, <sighs> I wish we got her in this suit longer because uh, he's like, what did you watch? Annie Hall a dozen yeah, times? and that's Mrs. TV from Willy Wonka. That's Mrs. TV. That is I Mrs. TV. I forgot to keep an eye out for her. I was looking for her I like, and I was like, is it the mom at the beginning? I was like, she seems like that's probably not her. And then she came out. I was like, oh, no, this is her. 
just and the thickest New York accent, all of that. Like, oh, right. darling, this outfit, it's to die from. Uh, just <laughs> the look, this look, it's over. What did you watch, Annie? And I was just delighted to see her pop up. Agreed. But instead of learning anything fun like Kung Fu, uh, our mermaid is learning how to exercise and dress sexy. Her first um, she word not- in this film is <laughs> Bloomingdale's. Bloomingdale's. Which I was like, hey, just roll my eyes. But look, Amy, she's like a real woman now. Like, I get that 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 is clearly an intentional joke on the screenwriter's right. part that her first word is Bloomingdale's. But it's also like, oh, brother, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the fact that, like, they have no way of communicating with each other, but apparently the very first thing that they do is have sex. They apparently are having a lot of sex before they know anything about each other. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, But, like, Tom Hanks is just so on board, and it's Tom Hanks, so it's like, the movie works because of Tom Hanks. Absolutely. Like, he is having to sell a lot. If this guy is at all smarmy you know right can't it can't can't work um but he also is not playing him like a complete idiot he's just like a typical he's just a typical i'm in my mid-20s right this is a hot woman so i'm gonna overlook these are all red flags yeah we know she's a mermaid my guy this person is probably like escaped from a cult like this person is in dire need of help very that Uh, (laughs) she's fled heaven's gate uh, she tells him that her she he thinks that yeah she thinks that she's just like from some like su- swedish like nordic country or whatever that she's got like a visa problem so she has to go back in six days she's here for six fun-filled days until the moon is full i'm like she's not a werewolf like why whatever we need i, I, get I was need like your i don't mind roles. the arbitrary logic that is never really explained i'm like eh, it's fine we've got a time limit imposed sure whatever yeah now here's my thing where like i get whatever special effects i suppose but i thought we were gonna have a lot more comedy about her trying to hide the fact that she's a mermaid i thought we were gonna get a lot more of her accidentally getting wet and having to hide and then like quickly dry herself off um and listener because i know you have not seen this yet amy joe but listener if you have seen the newer disney animated film luca that's what I was kind of hoping for. There's a lot of fun because it's similar vibes in that they are like sea monsters who when they're on land, they look like humans. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of like, oops, we suddenly get like a bucket of water dropped on our heads. We need to quickly like shoop and towel off and reappear. And we get like the one scene where Dale Hannah goes to take a little salt bath and Tom Hanks is like, what's wrong? Let me in. And she's like, I'd like some privacy. And he goes, privacy? It was like you were shy after the car and the elevator and the bedroom and the question mark top of the refrigerator. So <laughs> I don't quite know how that worked of them doing it on top of the refrigerator. I, I think it's more um, wouldn't this be a funny thing to say and make Tom Hanks say than, uh, you know, a physical reality. But sure. Fair you know, enough. Fair ruin enough. your but she is like. She's got her tail fin now in the bath and she's like now she dries off it just in time before Hanks comes in. But I wanted like more of this because most of it, most of it is like she doesn't even need to be a mermaid. She could be a space alien. And it's the same movie that she's learning about how humans are. It's just a fish out of water story, Jeff. (laughs) I I did also think around this point that Tom Hanks would have been an an amazing Paul in Barefoot in the Park. Oh, like that killer. Yeah, that like right like just stick up his butt 
energy um, totally. and how charming he is while still being angry. I was like, he'd be so good and so much Neil Simon. Yeah. So Alan, he finally is like, oh, by the way, like, what's your name? And her name is like, <laughs> and then shatters all these TVs. Oh, those poor guys. <sighs> They're just trying to make a living. Um, so th- then he's like, you know, oh, we'll just give you an American name. And it's like, like this or that. And he looks up. It's like, oh, Madison Avenue. That's where we are. And she's like, I like Madison. So her name is Madison. He's like, now. good thing we weren't at 149th Street. I mean, I wish you were instead. Honestly, if you had to call her 100, like 149 instead, I'd like that even better. Hello, or, it is I, I, I 149. Maybe, maybe they're on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and now she's Martin. She's like, my name is Martin. <laughs> yeah. No, Madison is very also what that's what you'd expect a, a hot blonde 80s Daryl Hannah to be named Madison. I mean, Daryl Hannah's name is Daryl. I suppose she could be named Martin. Well, here's the thing. This was a great joke in this film that she's going to be named Madison because nobody, Amy, is named Madison. It's not a name. It's just a hilarious joke in the movie Splash until after the movie Splash. Oh, are you kidding When me? everyone started naming their daughters no. Madison. No. It was not a name before well, this. It was a last name, but sure. Like... Well, sure, sure, sure. but it was not used as a first name. Um, And then by 1990, it was the 216th most popular name in the U.S. for girls, 29th most popular by 95, and the third most popular name for girls in 2000. Wow. And they said it's funny because no one understands the irony because the whole point of her choosing that name was because it was a silly name. Obviously, everyone knows it was a name of a street. No one saw it as a first name. And now it's not even ironic. That is so funny. That's yeah, I guess like if it had been Lexington, or something like that, like and people I mean, people are named like Lexi, but not it's not usually short for Lexington. I don't think that is that is funny, because I did miss that because it does seem like of course, she's named Madison. She's such a Madison, but I wasn't taking the appropriate historical context. But now, you know, if if listener, if you're named Madison, you are you would not have that name if it was not for this film. Wow. Or if you did, it's because maybe your parents are also mermaids and naming you after streets that they happen to walk by. Wow. What a twist. Mystery. So Hanks uh, proposes to Daryl Hannah is like, let's get married and let's drive to Maryland because we need to get a blood test. This is back. You needed to get. Oh, yeah. A yeah, blood yeah. Test like that's very that's just like, a, it, you know, they've got it in like guys and dolls and everything. Yeah. You had to get a blood test in New York before you could get married, which is like often used as a plot point for something to slow down the action sure. of the, you know, of the. the right. The wedding. Right, right. And Hanks, he's like, Hanks is like, hey, maybe we should have like one boy and one girl. I'm like, dude, you are coming on so strong right now. You have well, not known this woman a week. And it's know. one thing, a whirlwind romance. We're getting married. But to be like, and this is how many kids we're going to have. Oof. He's really oof, gone oof. all in after he all re- the hopelessness. That's true. Uh, and meanwhile, Cornbluth realizes from the news, all the newspaper, he sees uh, Daryl Hannah in a newspaper and he's like, oh, that's the mermaid I saw. So he's now in New York with all of these, which I did enjoy all of these little comic shtick businesses. I did him. enjoy him like continually getting the same poor woman. Uh, yeah, so he's like, right. He's throwing a bucket on who he thinks is Daryl Hannah. Oh, no, it's this random woman. And then her husband comes in to just beat the snot out of him. And then he's at the elevator. He's like, I'm going to catch him. He's like waiting there with the fire hose. He soaks the same woman and keeps getting like his arm is now in a cast. He is not doing well. And then we're at... I, I forgot. Why exactly was Hanks invited to a 
presidential dinner. This is something to do with the plot device. So the brother who's a real wheeler dealer, but not bothered right. about business, you know, like, no. like when they're in, they have a shared office and he comes in and, and Freddie comes in that day and thinks he's like, what are you doing here? Like, cause he's, ne- Freddie's never there. So, but he's like, I have basically, I was out playing poker with Mr. Mr. Savings or M- it's not Mr. Savings, but it's like Mr. Mr. Byright. Mr. Byright. I was like, it's something that's not a name. Mr. Byright. Who's like a, a grocery store owner like chain owner and he's like i've got us to be the supplier he was in he's a vet and like i lied about you being injured in nom and so i think this guy for whatever reason is like let's finalize this deal i'm gonna go to this like big dinner the president's here you should be it's like something to do with that very loosely but that's why they're there when the president's there this could be like the mayor this could be like the governor or like a some someone not that's not the president of the United but States. But I think you that they need have... that because that's how they have all of the government people on site. That's how they have the like well, the secret sure. services there. So well, they... yes. I mean, you'd still have security personnel. Absolutely. People, but like the, the thing that I was like, oh, that is kind of smart that then you have all the government people there. They see her immediately and sweep her up. You know, and I did not expect science heists to be happening in this oh. film but they sure are <laughs> nor did i i did not expect our third act of this film but because eugene levy they think he's going to shoot the president so the security with his like, little <laughs> green water pistol his little water pistol um but he does finally manage to get uh daryl hannah so she is now turned into Wet. a mermaid on he, the sidewalk yeah. everyone's crowding around and uh, she gets taken away into this secret lab in the Museum of Natural History? Question mark. They're just trying to keep it New York, baby. I am down for that. A secret, like, secret facility Hello. inside the Museum of Natural History. You like, you know, you you pull the fin of the blue whale, and now this <gasps> these doors are opening. I mean, the blue whale's on the ceiling, but like, whatever, something like that. You're pulling like a some stuffed beaver's tail, and then it's like shoop, and you got these secret passageways. I'd be down with that. Oh, they also take Tom Hanks because they they assume he's a mermaid as well. So we get we get some naked Hanks. We get some Hanks. Yeah. He's covering up the family jewels. He's covering up the Woody. Um, <laughs> But uh, he's been there for like 12 hours until the final, like, okay, well, you're not a mermaid. Yeah, but they say he's been in the water 12 hours. I was like, that's awful. Yeah. He's shocked to find out that his love is a mermaid and he kind of rejects her. She was about to tell him her big secret. She's been trying. She's been trying. He's like, ah, you could tell me on the way to Maryland. Whatever it is, whatever your secret is, it's like she could be a murderer, guy. Find out the secret before you get married. (laughs) Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say mermaid. As long as you're a murderer, that's okay. That we can deal with. <laughs> but Freddie tells him, he's like, hey, I've never seen... Freddie does not meet Daryl Hannah in this film. But he's but seen he's like, how he is true. with I've her. I've seen him, how happy he is. That's true. You, I see you have happy, so we're going to get her out of there. We're going to pose as the Swedish scientists. Oh, man. And they break in. They manage to get Daryl Hannah out. Uh, and... We get to the New York Harbor. There being this hot pursuit from all of like the government, uh, these helicopters chasing after them, and they dive into the Hudson. They fight off these like underwater agents, like these the frogmen. They've got like the scuba gear on, and now we end our film. They're swimming through this magical underwater castle in the Hudson. Truly, the it's like Hudson? when they're like, oh, yay, look at these coral reefs. I was like, now, if these coral reefs were actually just garbage reefs, 
that would be number one, funnier. Number two, much more accurate. Coral reefs. This- but but again, coral reefs off the coast of Cape Cod. No. Yeah. Also, when she said, I could not, I could not believe this. When she is like, is this really what happens to water when it gets cold? He's like, yeah. yeah. And she goes, ah, it never gets cold where I am. I'm like, have you been to Massachusetts? It's famously <laughs> frigid. It famously has very mild summers because the winters are brutal. Well, maybe mermaids. Let's assume mermaids have some kind of internal what do you call it that they don't they run real hot. Well, so, like, she they can, don't but really she's still seeing ice is what I'm saying. And well, the, not in the, in the ocean. Cod, the ocean's not freezing. But Cape Cod, a lot of that is a bay. On one side mm. of it, it's ocean. The other side, it's a bay and bays get colder. All I'm saying is someone's geography is wrong and it's not mine. It's not. You hear that? We're going to rescind your Oscar nomination for best original screenplay movie. It's not like they said we're going to Key West, you know, someplace tropical esque. They did not say that. No. no. But yeah, she, yeah. It, and anyway, that's our movie. The casting director <laughs> of Splash was Bill Shepard. Shepard has also cast such films as Spaceballs, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. So let's kick it off with our titular hero, Alan. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Tom Hanks, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I will tell you, Jeff, he's not titular. His name would have to be Splash. Honestly, his name should be Alan Splash. Alan Splash. It's me. They're meant to Alan be. Splash. It's, his name is Splash. You're right. He's not our titular hero, but he is our technically hero. our hero. He's our protagonist. Um, tremendous. Yeah. I mean, it's number one. It's, it's baby Tom Hanks. It's angry Tom Hanks. He's so charming. He's like the performance is so funny. Like everything he's doing is so funny. I think he's delightful. And I think, as you said, like this film works as well as it does only. Because they made a very intelligent casting decision and went with a very funny, charming actor, you know? Agreed. It's like like the, the Gene Kelly quandary I have posed on many other episodes where it's like, right. you take and put any other actor in this. I don't know. This guy is not as like gross as a lot of Gene Kelly characters are, but it is just kind of like, I don't know that this film works uh, with a lot without this performance. I don't know. You make the 1950s version of this with Gene Kelly and, I don't know, Sid Charisse. Okay. I think you got yourselves an MGM musical. I'm not saying with nobody. That's delightful. But I'm saying you have to be careful about it. Sure. Um, oh, the Busby Berkeley version with all the mermaids like swimming oh, around so in the water? Oh, so it's Esther Williams and Gene Kelly. There you go. There we, and we go. And we need more mermaids. You need to see. That's the thing. That's why. Like, if you're going from the mermaid's perspective, although I get it. It's like then you're having to design more tales. Like, you're having to create. You have actors you who haven't spent their budget. entire lives uh, swimming like mermaids in pools. Um, right. That is not an $11 million budget movie if you're also sh- needing to show even one other mermaid. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I kind of struggled with this just because it's like there's lots of people who I think would be adequate. But insofar as like the charm of a young Tom Cruise, it's hard to beat. Um, same age as Tom Cruise is Alan Ruck. Who Tom I f- Cruise? Oh, oh, my gosh. Apologies to Tom Hanks. <laughs> On Thanksgiving, no less. Wow. On, on the day of Hanks? On this, the, the day, day that of we give Hanks? The day that we give Hanks... And I gave Cruz. But, you know, Cruz, 
better splash name. Um, so Ooh, Tom Splash. Tom Splash. Like if Tom, if Cruz was taken, but he just wanted like a real like verb it's last me. name. Tom Splash. Something that really added a lot more of anything than Mopather. Then yeah, Tom Splash. I dig it. Wait, is that his real name, Mopather? I think his real name is Tom Mopather or something Mopather. Wow. I could be wrong. Yikes. Maybe I'm mistaking him for someone else. But Regardless, I, I give to Hanks on this day that this was not to Cruz. Although, I mean, I, I could see like, I mean, we'll talk about Madison. We talk about Madison, but I could see this as like a less funny version of this as a, a Cruz Kidman vehicle back in like the late 80s. You know, um, yeah. again, I, I don't think it's as funny mm. yeah. uh, by any means, but uh, I could no. see I could see that being no, like, no. OK, yeah. someone thought that was a good idea. Um, So, yes. Yeah, so same age as. Tom Hanks is Alan Ruck, who is also very funny. Mm. He's he's not as like leading man, young leading man. He's a little more character, but I don't know that that bothers me. So there's that. Maybe Eddie Murphy. He obviously gives like extra, oh, like that kind yeah. of just like surprised and angry at everything that's happening around him in a very comedic way. Like that's very the center of of like what he does. Um, uh, thinking this. Different film, but like just as like hard comedy as it was, I was like, I could see a young Steve Martin version of this, like just that kind of yeah. like this punchlines. It's all setups and punchlines. This movie, so I was like, well, get get somebody who right. does does that. Maybe a young Stanley Tucci, the Tucci. Just thinking of people who are like mm. charming and and charming yeah, through the their anger. Hey, you know what I mean. The Tooch don't care if you're a mermaid. Tooch is going to marry you. Tooch doesn't care. Tooch doesn't care that you can't no, speak, that you don't absolutely have not. clothes, that you don't know anything. He's like, I'm making you a Negroni. <laughs> we're going to get along just fine. Um, and then if this were like much more recent, just thinking of and like, look, I've not seen this person in any of his film stuff. So I understand this may seem like a wild swing, but we just saw him be very funny in Top Dog Underdog. So I was like, oh, Yaya Abdul Mateen II. Like he does this whole lotsy in Top Dog Underdog where he's like gone to a store and stolen all of these clothes. And you see him as he's like taking like his coat off and then like how he is like like layer after layer. layer, He's like put on these pants. He's got like clothes still on a hanger like on his back. And it was just like the physical comedy of it was like so funny and he's so charming. I was like, all right. I mean, I know he's like what I do know is he's like not known for being a comic actor, but I thought he was hilarious. So I'd be be interested seeing if he's like sure you know interested in playing with that kind of like light comedy i don't know but i'd see it so yeah those were my thoughts yeah. i love it um it was it's hard because i mean it's tom hanks he's one of the it's best why we give to, to hanks. do it and he really is able to sell a lot that isn't really necessarily there on the page because he's got to be like he's a bit of an idiot and that he's not to, to overlook all yeah. of these red flags even if the red flags are just that she's a mermaid. It's not like she's an evil mermaid, but it's like guy, like clearly something is up. It's hard. I was like, maybe, maybe a John Ritter. Oh yeah. I could, I could see. Cause it's like, he needs to really lead. He does need to be the romantic leading man. Cause he does. That is the ultimate goal is that he's just opening his heart to love. Yeah. And dis, and just not looking at anything else because John of Ritter, it. just thinking of uh, his castmate in Noises Off makes me think like Christopher Reeve would also be like really fun in this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe a Christopher Reeve. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know anyone that I like more than Hanks, but like at the time or a year or two later, Michael J. Fox mm. or like maybe a Matt, maybe Alan Ruck's Bueller co-star, Matthew Broderick, mm-hmm. like I can still see 
maybe a young Robert Downey Jr. Oh. Or a Jason Bateman. I, I think they're all kind of... They all have that brittleness and, that you kind of need to break up with love. Yeah. I feel like a lot of this is like a... If this is made a few years later, it's a strong brat pack vehicle mm. that it's either like a Rob Lowe or an Emilio Estevez. Um, and made more recently. Like I could see... I, I would like a Donald Glover, maybe mm-hmm. like a Steven Yoon. I, I, would, I like the idea of Steven Yoon just as like all business business and get opening his heart to a mermaid. Um, maybe a Zachary Levi. I could see yeah. like selling the turns believably. Or if this was made, not today, because it's shocking that he's now like probably almost 50. Um, but this, let's say early aughts if this is like <laughs> Edgar Wright splash starring Simon Pegg. So that's what I'm like. Yeah. Starting. Yeah. And I'll fill in with more Ooh, Edgar Wright regulars okay. as we, as we move on. It. So this movie is really one of the things that we have to re- that we really are giving T. Hanks for for Tom Hanks career, because at this point he was on Bosom Buddies and his only other movies were the ni- he had a very small role in this 1980s slasher flick. He knows you're alone. And then this 1982 TV movie, Mazes and Monsters, neither of these movies made an impact and are now only known as being Tom Hanks's earliest roles. Um, so by this year, he only, it was this and Bachelor Party both came out the same year. And Bachelor Party is like a college sex comedy. But this movie is what helped convince audiences and Hollywood that he could lead a hit movie. And he's so effortless in the way he carries it and so funny and so charming like you really it's a beautiful showcase for everything we would come to love about tom hanks and it's like yeah thank goodness that they like were like we'll take a chance on this sitcom kid because uh he's made to be a movie star you know i mean you're definitely or at least i am definitely seeing that yes this guy is well versed in the sitcom world because like that's where he the been laughs, everything, not a moment missed for a laugh. Right. But then you're also seeing of what we will come to know from Hanks, of that he is able to deepen and yeah. sell, get across the like the rom-com stuff and uh, especially closer to the end. Um, and of course, this is the start of a very fortuitous working relationship, which I never really thought about. It was Hanks and Ron Howard would go on to work on Apollo 13, all the Da Vinci oh, Code wow. films that they would yeah. work together a lot more over the years. Um, which is kind of crazy to be like to go from Splash and then Apollo 13. <laughs> and that was like, what, like 10, 15 years later? I saw Apollo 13 in the theaters. So that's 95. I was about to say that's so mid 90s. Uh, yeah. Like 11 years after mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, but let's kick it off. So uh, this, <laughs> this almost starred so many wild different people. Warren Beatty turned this movie down to star in Mermaid. Oh. And you might be saying, what is mermaid? I don't remember mermaid. And it's because the film never got made. <gasps> because of Splash? <laughs> I think of, due to a variety of reasons, but one of those being is that Splash got there first. And it's also why like, I think this film was pretty rushed because they knew they were trying to beat the clock because you don't wow. want to be, you don't, don't want to be the second Warren mermaid Beatty. movie. Yeah, exactly. Warren Beatty is mermaid. mermaid. I would hope that Beatty was playing the mermaid, but I have no I have idea. Doubts. Once again, Lost to the sands of time. But this is a post-Reds Warren Beatty. It feels like you're not getting Warren Beatty doing like a silly fantasy rom-com is strange to me. Chevy Chase turned it down. Good. This is the year between the first vacation film and Fletch. So that's, those are like 
that's where he lives, but also like the idea of someone who in vacation that you already have like teenagers, that you already have kids, like that is too, like you need this like fresh faced, like guy in his twenties. I think it makes it work, but I do also understand that that's the way people cast men is as old as you want. We'll make it work, you know? And then they just live in the Arrested Development. Robert De Niro was considered. Oh, no. You talking to my fish? You talking to my fish? That's my fish. Hey, get away from my mermaid. Yeah, in 1984, he was doing Once Upon a Time in America uh, and this movie Falling in Love with Meryl Streep that I always forget that him and Streep had like this little very low-key, brief encounter-esque film. Mm. Michael Keaton turned it down. Now that... That this is young, yeah, yeah, young yeah. That's Michael more Keaton. at least like age wise makes more sense. And he, I mean, he's someone right. who's very funny, angry. He's a little wilder in his, yeah, more off kilter than than Hanks. You want to get nuts? Let's yeah, get exactly. Nuts. The exactly. fact that that was our first like big movie of Bruce Wayne, and like that's the Bruce Wayne we got. I will never not love of Michael Keaton just like with wielding a poker, going, "You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts." And I'm like, "Yep, that's the Michael Keaton I yeah. know." Because Keaton, 82 was his first film with Night Shift. 83, the year after is Mr. Mom. And 84 is Johnny Dangerously, which I've always meant to see. I've always heard is like such a fun comedy, um, but I've just never gotten around to seeing it. Uh, Michael Keaton, like I like the idea, but Tom Hanks. My, I think it's be just better. a better fit. It's an easier fit. Both of them much better than Burt Reynolds, oh. who was considered. No, isn't there a Burt Reynolds? Doesn't he get name checked in this movie somewhere? Yeah. Doesn't he get name checked? Something that. Well, it's in there. But it's like, yeah, you need with Hanks, you're, even though he can be the acerbic and the angry, he's also you need the earnestness yes. to buy this whirlwind romance. And you because otherwise it really just comes across as, yeah, a hey, uh, babe, I'm uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Whatever. You want to stay with me? You, you um, see that nom, he, nom, he nom. really desperately, genuinely wants real love. And he knows it's like something to do with him. And he just can't let himself love. But you can see that he wants to, you know. Right. Richard Gere was considered. Um, I just never see him with his feathers ruffled. You know what I mean? I guess. I, I just, I get what, we have so many more men to get through. It's like, I get it that you're just considering any name actor. So honestly, the fact that they wound up going with things. Yeah. I think speaks to the fact that probably a lot of people turned it down. Sure. Or just weren't available or just didn't want to. Like, I don't want to do a stupid mermaid rom-com. And because Ron Howard, I think he'd only directed like maybe two other Mm. films at this point. But they weren't like, he was not the Oscar, Oscar-y film. He's still like an actor who's recently transitioned into directing. Right. He's still that kid from the Andy Griffith show in Happy Days. And it's like, we're going to do a mermaid movie from the, from directed by Richie Cunningham. Like, I don't think so. You think Robert De Niro is like, oh, that's exactly what I'd like to be doing. Oh, yes. I always did love the Fonz. So, uh. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't see it. Jeff Bridges was considered. Uh, sure. Uh, I like I see it a bit more because at least he can give me a bit more of the softness he was doing in 84 instead uh, this movie Starman which is I think a great film I think he got an Oscar nomination for it um, which is a John Carpenter film which is surprising because it's very much lighter than a typical John Carpenter where Bridges 
plays this alien who like takes over the body of like a man who just died and he needs I think it's Karen Allen he needs her who's the man's widow to help him like get across the country for some reason and the two wind up like falling for each other um so it's kind of just this like much more low-key sci-fi romantic drama um but he's like as this guy, he's kind of, he's the mermaid in that movie. He's the one that's yeah. like, I don't know anything about human life. He's the fish out of water. Uh, he's the fish out of space. Uh, Dudley Moore turned it down. Wow. Well, I, I, I have a feeling I'm just going to be saying wow a lot to a lot of these choices. <laughs> wow, I say. But now what if we have Dudley Moore as Alan and we've got um, Liza Mermaid? Well, now we're talking, but we're talking about a very different movie because Liza's not spending half the movie not saying terrific you know what i mean <laughs> not, not just not talking but not saying terrific uh, you know what that's true she would well she would learn from, we get real meta and we show she learns how to speak while watching on the tv it's all clips of judy garland <laughs> i learned from mama M- mama mama uh robin williams was considered and i'm like okay he did occur to me as someone who like is more in the pocket from a comedian standpoint so he was on my longer list yeah early 80s robin williams like i'm digging that he instead in 84 was doing uh moscow on the hudson this dramedy which i've never seen though i've heard about but i did not realize until doing my research for this episode that his co-star like who he because he plays like um he's a he's a russian who winds up defecting while in the u.s and is trying to like live here while falling for maria conchita alonzo oh of vampires kiss and the running man and like who i've only seen in a few other things and i was like what maria conchita alonzo sighting in the early 80s second build um was very fun a ding 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 to you because christopher reeve was considered oh nice which i get if he's like the real straight man version of this like someone who is just Maybe he's a bit thick. I see. And it's also because of noises off. But I see like he's not smart enough to realize what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, I I can see it working and just not being quite as the comedic swings would not be as wide and wild as they are with Hanks. Um, Yeah. But, you know, he would. I think he'd sell it nicely. John Hurd was considered. Oh, um, eh, well, I'm more interested in him as the brother. Yeah, to give you some perspective, this is 1984. So instead, John Hurd was doing your favorite movie, Chud. I was about to say, it's around Chud time, where he's the least fashionable fashion photographer ever photographed. I mean, some of the worst outfits I've ever seen someone unfortunately have. They must be just his own outfits from home. That movie is so cheap that I think he was just like, yeah, I don't know. I was kind of wearing this uh, What if I threw a few things together and then it's fashion, right? Maybe his uh, co-star from that movie, Daniel Stern, as uh, either a better a Freddy fit. or a Corn Doctor Cornbluth, could be a. Uh, oh, be that's fun. a fun Cornbluth, yeah. Kevin Klein was considered. Oh, that makes sense to me. Totally. Get How it. did I not think of me old standby Kevin Klein? Totally see Kevin Klein. Uh, Steve Gutenberg auditioned. Oh sure. Which this is eighty four is the year of the first Police Academy, so much better choice that he wound up doing a film that gave him like a huge For sure. franchise. Yeah. Kurt Russell was considered. Which I'm like, could I can see. see it. Yeah, I can see it. In 1984, instead, he was doing the movie Swing Shift, where it was where he met Goldie Hawn. So clearly, so better he life made the choice. better choice. He yeah. made the better choice. Now, this is wild to me that this guy was just not only in movies, but considered for leads and apparently turned it down was David Morse. Uh, 
wild. I, I know. Mean, he would have been, you know, young at that point, which I've never seen. Very Baby true. Baby David Morse. I know. Green Miles, David Morse. The Long Kiss Goodnight, David Morse. The Seafarer on Broadway's, David Morse. <laughs> How I Learned to Drive on Broadway's, David well, Morse. yes. But I first came to know him by seeing The Seafarer, so... Instead, in 84, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me. David Morse was doing this TV movie, Shattered Vows, where he plays a priest who has an affair with a nun. Like, that's, that sounds Those to me shattered like... Shattered Vows. That's more in the lane. Bill Murray turned Splashdown. So I was, you know, thinking of comedians of this era, and he's just... I see a version of this movie with him doing it, but I think just his... What he does best... Yeah. Does not, I, it's not does this. not the iconic kind of. I just don't think it translates as well as like the kind of frantic yeah that Tom right. Hanks has. You know, yeah. I just don't see Bill Murray as someone who's not getting his feathers ruffled. No, I see him more as a Freddy. You know, yeah, definitely. Just like oh, I'm just gonna come in and uh, kind of not um, you know sleep on the job practically. Yeah, this is the same year as Ghostbusters, so that's the. <laughs> age yeah. bill murray we have and like yeah if anything his like his ghostbusters co-star dan Aykroyd could have been alan yes you know yes um and finally john travolta said the role was written for him but he passed on the advice of his agent which i get i get the john travolta version of this yeah absolutely i, I think he could that. sell i mean honestly Tra- maybe instead of two of a kind if this was what reunited travolta and olivia newton john that's fun I like that a lot. And that would be that would make a lot of sense, given like what both of them are bringing to the table. Yeah, because this is the year between uh, Two of a Kind, which was a huge flop with him and Olivia Newton-John and Staying Alive, the Saturday Night Fever sequel, were both Woo! the year before. And then the next year would be perfect with Jamie Lee Curtis. So Woo! Travolta was having a rough run for these few yeah, years. Splash would have been better. The splash might have made his a bit agent of a was like, you know, what you should take is perfect instead of splat well who's you know it's hard to know until you know yeah because you also don't know it's like was daryl hannah attached at this point were they still looking for the mermaid because if it's like hey you should do this sexy aerobics movie with jamie lee curtis like well jamie lee curtis is great maybe that makes sense she's great in that terrible movie yes i do love jamie lee curtis (laughs) jamie lee curtis is great in every terrible movie that she's She been never in. misses. And have, I've seen her in some terrible movies. I have never seen Jamie Lee Curtis give a bad performance. I've never. seen her be in awful, awful films, but 100%. I've never seen her give a bad performance. Because she is, what, the best. But let's move on to Freddy. Old stinker brother, Freddy. Amy Jo, your thoughts on John Candy, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I'm so curious how much of their kind of like, when they're talking over one another... How much of that is scripted versus just John Candy making hilarious stuff up? Like, what did I? Yeah. What did I have written down here? Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Based off what we knew about Home Alone, how he improvised so much exactly. of that role. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if he was having a lot of fun with this script. Well, especially if you have writers that clearly like are also performers and it, it would have had respect for. I think that there's maybe a certain amount of. of back and forth oh like like when they're going over the desk and tom hanks is just like stacks of bills and notes and stuff on the desk and uh he's like oh what you got too many papers here it's like no there's a system and and john candy's like do what i do just stick it in the drawer um just like a lot of stuff like just a lot of stuff just thrown off like that i think he's so funny he manages to make this horrible man very charming and we're like i would never want to meet this guy in person but he is like you see this brotherly relationship and, and the 
the love they have and it just I don't know it makes sense and I think it's because John Candy is just a real a real hoot to watch um agreed oh yeah like where he drops the coins again when he's older he's like look something works for me I stick with it just <laughs> really really silly you you would think this one would be easier but I was like I don't know I just I loved John Candy in this um I also have Eddie Murphy here as like because he also does mm -hmm. like secondary character who's just like i'm gonna come in and take up a lot of space yeah in this kind of way that would be fun for a like a 90s version it's like brad garrett from everybody loves raven <laughs> who i've never thought of before but i was like oh that no, guy I, don't... I think this is but, the first first recommend of oh, brad garrett on the pod no definitely probably the first time i've ever spoken his name um but i was like oh yeah like he'd be a very different energy but like it, also yeah. i think a more 90s energy again if this film was made in the 90s like there's just a different comic sensibility happening mm. but yeah i mean i think john candy's just so great in this and the two of them are so fun together and just help us know immediately like what movie we're in definitely yeah you need someone who just has so much unwarranted confidence in themselves yeah. <laughs> uh so i couldn't think of anyone else for the time but made later this is like a classic jack black role oh duh um, i'm so foolish for forgetting jack blick I, I like a Danny McBride, I think would be very funny with this. Mm -hmm. I could see like the John C. Riley version, I think would work oh, really yeah. nicely. Um, uh, Craig Robinson, I think would be very charming in this. I would totally. like a lot. And of course, in this, in the uh, Edgar Wright version, Nick Frost. Nick to Frost. Simon Pegg. I gave him, make him brothers. It's adorable. I'm loving it. Uh, apparently, there was one day that John Candy arrived late to set and held up the shoot which was very unlike john candy as he was very professional normally and so when he arrived he apologized to ron howard profusely to which howard said it's fine and that they start shooting and candy said to howard that he actually hadn't slept and was actually drunk given that he had gone to a bar the night before where he met jack nicholson who recognized candy and supplied him with drinks all night and Candy had said, but I've got to go shoot. And Nicholson had simply said, you're going to be all right, kid. Don't worry about it. <laughs> this is the day before wow. the racquetball scene. So he is dr oh, like, no. hasn't slept, is part, probably 50% drunk, 50% hungover, and has to play racquetball now. But yeah, think about that. Like, he's still like early enough in his career that he's not like, John Candy. So you run into Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson wants to hang out with you like 1980s Jack Nicholson. You're like, I guess I'm hanging out with Jack Nicholson tonight. Yeah, I don't care where you are in your career. If Jack, if a 1980 Jack Nicholson is like, oh, I'll, I'll buy you around. Like, what are you going to say? No. Like, of course, you get to the point like I got to shoot. And I'm sure Nicholson is like, do you know, kid, how many times I've showed up to set still with the drink in my hand? You're going to be fine, Sonny. Don't worry. Um, but apparently Candy shot the scene of him being hit in the head with the racquetball on the first take. Wow. One take and he knocked that out, which knowing that he was also probably very hungover is pretty. I mean, he's like impressive. Dionysus theater gods, please. I feel so badly right now. Please let me guide this. this shot. Let us finish shooting as quickly as possible so I can go throw up and go to sleep. <laughs> as for the actors who were considered, Tim Allen was considered. Well, he does play obnoxious 
True. But so he, young. Very young. He had no film credit to this point, only stand-up. His first film credit wouldn't be until 1988 as baggage handler in this movie Tropical Snow, and then Home Improvement started in 91, and that was like the thing. It was like, oh, we're going to make a sitcom based off of your stand-up. Uh, so he's just a stand-up comedian at this point. And I'm like, uh, sure, but I feel like there must have been a lot of other stand-up comedians working at this time that would have made yes. a lot more sense in this type of role. I think so. Tom Hanks originally read for Freddie. Oh, but think about the fact if we had, you know, Woody and Buzz in this. Wild, wild yeah. to think about Tom Hanks and Tim Allen potentially playing brothers. And then a decade later. Now we're doing Toy Story. Nemesis. Nemesis. <laughs> yeah. So Tom Hanks. Red Fred, a, that makes sense. Read it for the smaller part. Right. Because he, you know, as we said, he had very little, like, he, Bachelor Party came out this same year. So at this time, he had, like, two nothing film credits and Bosom Buddies. So it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That He's reading for a small role. And then based off that, I'm sure they were like, oh, wait, maybe this is a leading man that we are discovering here. And people to discover things everybody loves to feel like they're the smartest person so this worked out great for them yeah, ron howard really saw it because he tom hanks had a one-time guest spot on happy days in 82 and that was mm. then at howard's request that he brought hanks in to read for freddie and based oh. off that they were like oh actually no let's have you read for alan oh you know what you're you're the guy you're it i think that's also the benefit sometimes of having a director who is an actor who like Definitely. has worked with someone that's like, I understand, I, I get what you can do by seeing this because I understand the craft. Um, I think sometimes other actors are more willing to see possibility in actors than, you know, someone who's a, just a producer, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, that is so, I love that. I love that for Tom. And that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Freddy. One, why's not? And Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Your options are Michael Keaton, mm. John Goodman, mm. and Jeff Goldblum. Mm. I'm going to say Jeff Goldblum. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Nice. That might be your fastest win ever. I feel great. I feel great about it. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving to me. <laughs> Michael Keaton was apparently offered the role. So I assume he was just like, I'm good. I'm yeah. not interested in either. Or he just couldn't film it and Johnny Dangerously at the same time. Uh, and John Goodman was considered. 1984, he's also in Chud. And uh, he's a smaller role in Revenge of the Nerds. So this is a very early John Goodman. But it would have been a good fit for John Goodman, too. He's yeah. very funny. I 100% agree. I'm telling the listener, hot news, a hot take. John Goodman, funny guy. Wow. And, and, and almost starring exclusive, John Goodman, ba -ba -ba -ba. funny guy. <laughs> Should see if he wants to use it for a pull quote. Help his career. Hey, these podcasters think I'm a funny guy. That's how John Goodman talks as well. Famous, what? famous New Yorker, John famous. Goodman. So let's move on to... Uh, who starts as our antagonist on the film, who then kind of winds up help? We didn't say he winds up helping uh, Hanks and he Candy sure does. bust out Hannah from the Museum of Natural History. <laughs> so your thoughts on Eugene Levy as Dr. Walter Kornbluth, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? It took a few shots before I realized it was him, even though who looks like Eugene Levy? Nobody but Eugene Levy, but he's so much younger that I'm used to seeing him. I was like... 
Oh, right. that's Eugene Levy. It just uh, <laughs> took me a moment. But of course, he's very funny. What a little weirdo. Never not a thousand percent committed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's very funny. And I do love that he goes from being this like intense weirdo scientist to like totally an ally. Like nobody likes me when they first meet me. Um, <laughs> just very funny. Um, so this is someone who I think is about the same age as Eugene Levy. But I thought just because um, it makes me laugh thinking of like him in Jaws and Close Encounters. I was like, what about Richard Dreyfus? Another oh. like weird, angry person who like just something about like his like what he has played in movies playing into yeah. having him be this like comedic riff on that, I think is fun. Michael McKean also, you know, he's just on Spinal Tap. Just thinking of his like, yeah. Um, kind of buttoned up energy is Mr. Green uh, yes. something in, in like that kind of lane. Billy Crystal maybe, you know, mm. a, a little more in the Miracle Max vein than the, you know, when Harry met Sally vein. He He's maybe a little too close to an Allen type but I think if he like I mean, went... Yeah, honestly, give me Billy Crystal as Allen. I yeah. would, I could really say. Meg um, Ryan can still stay away. Um, yeah. but, yes, sure. But, Whoever but you Crystal, cast, you can give them the Meg Ryan hair. You could have that sa- Sally yeah, hair, sure. but put it on not another Meg head. Gene Wilder, why not? Just like lean into like kooky scientist, mad experimenter type thing. Yeah, sure. And then this is this is a wild swing, and I was just thinking. You know, I mean, she she was in like movies, but she's most famous as a voice actor. I was like, Julie Kavner would be very funny to me, like um, the voice Simpson? of Marge Simpson. But she's <laughs> she's in Hannah and her sisters around this time as, as, as like um, Woody Allen's like a sister. And I don't know. I just was like, oh, yeah, I could I could hear that funny voice it, before it had been become iconic you know, mm-hmm. Simpsonized. It's like, I don't know. But it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like this is one that like should have been easier for me because I love kooky actors, but it wasn't as straightforward as mm. I thought because it's hard to beat Eugene Levy. It's true. Yeah, everything Eugene Levy was doing in this movie was working for me. Like, Correct. All, a lot of the comedy for me like was working between him and John Candy. It was like all of that parts of the film. I'm like, well, you succeeded by getting two of our funniest actors. Absolutely. And letting them run wild. It was funny. You saying like, cause who else looks like Eugene Levy? And I was thinking, you know, who looks like Eugene Levy, Harold Ramis, who also would be very yeah, oh funny. Oh my gosh. He does look like Eugene Levy. <laughs> cause so this is right. the same year as Ghostbusters. And they've got right. like almost the same hair and glasses. <laughs> These like thick Coke bottle glasses that they put yeah, on Levy. Yeah. Or that he actually needed to see, perhaps. Yeah, or if you want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum, talking of Hannah and her sisters, maybe Max von Sydow. Just a very... That's, that's true. Okay, you, now we're you going... You assume he's a villain because he looks like Max von Sydow. And, and then you realize... You know, oh, Swedish, which we know is ominous from this film, so... Exactly. That he's... Then, then it really is like, wait, but you're the Swede. You're saying that these are the Swedish scientists that like... It's like, yes, I knew them from, from the home country. Um, I think this would be, I, I don't think it's too small of a role for him. An ace, ace role for John Lithgow. Like oh, everything yes. you want. He would be having probably too much fun Possibly. Um, playing this part. Possibly. Maybe a Rick Moranis. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love, a, uh, talk about someone who plays bumbling and fumbling. Right. Made a little later because I don't think they were working at this point. But like maybe Richard Kind. 
Or like mm-hmm. if you want someone who's a bit more where you're the fun in the first half is seeing them constantly fail. You want someone that you enjoy seeing getting hurt. Like it's like a Steve Coogan, I think would be very funny. Yes. And yes. like this, like that, that type. Um, who is also in my Edgar Wright version, just because his little teeny cameo in Hot Fuzz. I'm oh, putting yeah. Steve Coogan as Dr. Walter Cornblue. He's in the universe, it's canon. That's true. Uh or my other my last pick, give me Wallace Sean. <laughs> okay. Just give me like that That's all I'm going to say about tiny it. Tiny Walshon. Tina Tiny Walshon. Uh, so John Candy wanted to play this role, and Howard convinced him to play Freddy instead. Interesting. And so Candy is the one who recommended Levy for the role because of SCTV. Of course. Um, which I get the John Candy version of this, but it's like I get that you're like, no. Here's the thing: you're so lovable and so sweet, so we got to make you be the guy that's the worst. Yeah. And it works. It's a delight. Like I can see it, but I think it works so much better with this way with Candy as Freddie and Eugene Levy. It's it's, it's so good as Corn Blue. It's a thing I can make sense of in my brain, but I'm glad it shook out this way for everybody. Agreed. And finally, let's move on to Madison. Amy, your thoughts on Daryl, Hannah, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? There's a lot that I'm curious about if this role is written slightly differently for her, you know, but I think that she... She plays this kind of tricky balance of like wonder and like know how, you know, because she has chosen to be here. She doesn't know the world, but she's not like, oh, my gosh, I've suddenly found myself in this weird world. She's like, oh, it's not enchanted. She's not suddenly exactly dropped into New York. She is. It's not a surprise to her. Yes, she is. She has got Hanks's wallet. She has swum. From Cape Cod to New York to sleep with this man. <laughs> yes, yes, to claim what she found in childhood. So yeah, like I think she does a lovely job. She's she's you know funny. I think she has no real punchlines and stuff. Like she's ba- she's the straight man basically in a lot of ways, just because she's like yeah. causing chaos, but not like I guess she's not the straight man exactly. But she's just like you know. Causing gentle chaos wherever she goes. But I mean, truly, like I was really marveling at her underwater acting, you know, because it's just like there's not a moment of like, oh, the actor is holding their breath or anything like that, you know, which obviously they're doing like short takes and they're making all that, you know, make sense of it. But I was just like, wow, I really believe that like this is a person who lives under the sea, uh, air free. And um, yeah, her swimming. That makes a lot more sense knowing that, like, because that's a thing that we all did, because we all grew up watching The Little Mermaid. So swimming like a mermaid <laughs> is a thing that, like, duh. I'm like, everybody did that. But I also, it was coming on the heels of a major cartoon motion picture. And that's a thing that I don't think everyone was doing when Daryl Hannah was growing up. So good for her. My first thought for the time, and my favorite thought, I think, is uh, Gina Davis. Mm. Insofar as someone who, just thinking of her in, like, Earth Girls Are Easy and... Thelma and Louise, just that kind of like wide-eyed, like, oh gosh, I'm so excited. And I have no idea, like the havoc I'm wreaking, you know. Um, yeah, sure. That sort of thing. Um, and then I just try to think of a lot of funny, hot actresses. So I have I have Goldie Hawn. So she and Kurt Russell could have yeah. done this instead, but Goldie Hawn, like duh, makes sense. Um a little um, the 90s version, I think Cameron Diaz is like the perfect yeah, choice for that. Yeah. Um, again, funny, hot, and and yet it's like 
there's a certain kind of like ability of the actor to turn off like use of the body as the only tool of like seduction if that makes sense like she's she's like not like they just have like a strong sexual connection but she's not like va va voom let me like no walk never. for you she's just like yeah. i'm just out here i'm just climbing on this street lamp and looking at this thing you know um which i feel like cameron diaz um does jane krakowski also oh. i thought would be funny i could have seen um, that if they made the splash musical Oh yeah, wasn't that in Only Murders in the Building? Doesn't doesn't uh, Nathan Lane get talked into that musical? (laughs) And that's where the pool was in the floor, and it all went bad for Marty Short. Like uh, early aughts, I think a Gabrielle Union uh, version would be great. Um, uh, Maybe a little bit later, Amanda Seyfried, perhaps. Ooh, talk about those big old eyes. Yeah. Yeah, wowie wow. Yeah. Then thinking about her Jennifer's Body co-star, like Megan Fox. In the, she might actually benefit from a role with less dialogue. Um, uh, do do do. Yeah, I mean, like Amy Adams because of Enchanted, but like I think for me, it's just like this is a tricky one, and I I feel like I'd have better ideas if it were, you know, a, a better written right. role. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's there's a lot of people who I think would do a great job with this who are like funny and charming and hot, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just wish it were. I, I wish uh, they'd you know. given more thought to their one female character who's not the loony secretary struck by lightning. Oh, you know? boy. Oh, we'll talk about her. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of fish meat on the bone as far as this character goes. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, lobster meat in the shell, if you will. I, I, will. I, I, I can't think of anyone else for the year. Made a few years later, and Uma Thurman, I think, has given me what sure. I need from this. Because um, you just need an actor to, like, really go for it as far as the physicality. Because there's just not, as you said, like, she doesn't get one-liners. She doesn't get, like, a lot. And she's not speaking for the first, like, half of the film. So all of the, like, her running around Bloomingdale's and, like, working out with the TVs for six hours, going to town on the lobster. I think you need someone that can really, like, really go full throttle. Yeah, and I think like the lobster thing, like Daryl Hannah does really well, but like the the working out and everything, the people who get the jokes are the two like store employees who are watching her. And they're they get more of the comedic weight than her just like doing the jazzercise or Richard Simmons stuff. You know, it's like they gave all of the punchlines to everyone else, even though she in theory has all this physical comedy. In theory. It's a real theory. I name dropped her before, but like May of the nineties, Emiliovich, based off Fifth Element, I think. Sure. Like, yeah. I, I'm seeing that version. I'm like, what I want, you gotta, you need like more of a comedian in this role. But that's very, you're so. getting to get someone that can do all of those things to be like your, your stereotypical, like hot mer- female lead mermaid, fantastical creature, but to also be a comedian. So I'm like, if this is like a 2000, like give me Anna Ferris, like someone who she's on my longer list. Yeah. Can yeah. Be like, I'm, a beautiful actress but also like her going to town on the lobster in the dinner like she like i want someone to look gross because that's the comedy someone who is really because daryl hannah is like she's biting into it when just using her hands but i want someone that's like really just like yeah like an animal like i need it to be more animalistic to make it more of a scene and which will be funnier like the pianist stops playing the piano because it's such a yeah you're totally right the response to that moment does not match what's actually there what what happened i'm not assuming it's daryl hannah's fault i'm sure that they're also like yeah but we don't want you to ever look not beautiful. not hot yeah right. yeah 
In which case, they should have lit her better in some of these shots. But that's also just <laughs> my opinion. Um, and like made today, I mean, in my Edgar Wright version, this is Rosamund Pike of The oh, World's yeah. End. Because someone who can also be so funny while also being a stunning person. Yeah. Um, or like an Anna de Armas, a Gina mm-hmm. Rodriguez. They're all give me what I want. Or because she's so good at playing all kinds of aliens and gleep glops. Zoe Saldana, I think, would be can really like oh yeah yeah you got a whole uh list of <laughs> aliens and gleep glops ah, she's playing blue aliens she's playing green aliens what's the name of the actress um who plays amy on brooklyn 99 oh um melissa fumero melissa fumero she's funny i feel like that but yeah. she's got that kind of like wide-eyed like ingenue but is that's a- true. actually funny quality that's true i was thinking of stephanie beatriz who plays rosa mm-hmm. of course i mean very different but i was just like i also forget like how she normally sounds like she hosted true. a podcast i that's listened true. to and i was like is this the real stephanie beatriz or someone else named stephanie beatriz right <laughs> <laughs> because she just i forget that like her voice is just like much high you know so there is that aspect it's like you change the voice you change a lot about how i'm perceiving that person so well, we have, once again, same with Alan, so many actors who were considered for this. So let's get Lay right it on to me. it. And right off the bat, from my research, I saw four different actors who it all said that they were the first choice in varying degrees. So I don't, I'm so taking all of this with a grain of salt, of mm-hmm. course. I saw that the role was written for Pat Benatar. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I watched this uh, very mediocre uh documentary about clue the other day and uh they were asking jonathan lynn about casting leaving who was you know like as we've discussed in our flash dance episode the lead singer of a punk band they were like what was that about he's like oh well you know the studios they always want someone kind of a rock star someone with a following so i just put it in the put them in the smallest role possible um, and that's all mm. I'll say about that. <laughs> it's like, wow, 30 <laughs> something years later, you're still like, I didn't like having to do it. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> wow, Pat Benatar. could have cast someone other than leaving, I, I would have. That's very funny. Instead, in 1984, Pat Benatar was in the music video for Rappin' Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield's oh, no. big rap song where she plays uh, an executioner. So that was her my film face, credit in 1984. I wish that we had, you know, <laughs> that this were a visual medium because you were like rapping Rodney. My face was all up like, well, what is that? Eyebrows up, <laughs> curious. And you said Rodney Dangerfield and my whole face, everything fell to the depths of the earth. To, oh, no. It's apparently a lot of rapping about how he gets no respect is the, the bit of the song unsurprisingly i'm gonna sprain my eyeballs wow also who i saw was first choice was jane fonda that makes a lot more sense yeah jane fonda i can see she's she's very funny i think you need someone who's a new who's not an established star it helps or you're giving this mermaid a lot more agency i know they have agency and that they are purposefully choosing to go to new york that they are seeking out tom hanks but you're getting them to speak sooner it's about them- him it's about his journey he's the protagonist she she doesn't really change at all throughout the course like, of honestly it. you don't you don't need to see the mermaid tail or whatnot even show a flashback show her have some scene with like just like her version of king triton just show the, the guy's face underwater yeah. and you could even you know what you could have them just like think speak to each other so they could just look at each other earnestly and you have subtitles of like what they're actually saying in their mermaid language and just have to him be like you can't leave 
Yeah, they already have the Swedish subtitles, so they could have dolphin language subtitles. Why not? Have dolphin language subtitles. Yeah, something, because all we get is she's like, I'm a little crying girl. My boyfriend went back in the boat. Like, that's her entire motivation, her entire character. What has she been doing for 20 years? You know, swimming. I'm like, is she, and maybe I've missed it or forgot, but like, is she just there all by herself? Does she, does she have we any know other literally mermaids about her other than her Can name? We is learn e- something. I mean, that last shot is like a full kingdom, so I assume there must be other. We're going to Atlantica again, another like Little Mermaid type shot. But yeah, yeah, I think if you're getting Goldie Hawn or you're getting Jane Fonda, you'd better be giving right. a scene where she like because they delay the reveal for so long, she doesn't have time for them to have a conversation about like. Well, this is where I'm from and blah, 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 blah. Apparently Ron Howard's first choice, but turn it down. And I do like this a lot. Diane Lane. Oh, that's really, that's lovely. I dig that. Apparently the producer's first choice was Mary Steen version. Interesting. She was doing fairy tale theater around this time with Malcolm McDowell and Little Red Riding Hood. I'm telling you that. Year before it was Red Riding Hood. Yeah, I don't need your research. That's my own brain research there. <laughs> At this point, she had won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for this movie Melvin and Howard in 81. And in 81 played Mother in Ragtime. The idea of going from playing Mother in Ragtime to a to Silent then, Mermaid. Silent Mermaid in Splash is perplexing. Tatum O'Neill turned it down, which, speaking of fairytale theater, she, she was, was doing Goldilocks and the Three oh, Bears. you already knew. And you know for a fact that John Lithgow plays her father. Of course he does. Yeah, that hel- that's helpful. I'm like, Adrian, what are we talking about? Fascinating. I mean, we just rewatched Paper Moon, so I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling <laughs> with this because it was like <laughs> two weeks ago we watched it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she'd have, she'd have probably a little more like spunk, pep. Yeah. yeah but, uh, Jodie Foster turned it down. Oh, I mean, that makes that does make sense that they'd go for yeah. Jodie Foster. And she'd be. I mean, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. But I get Jodie Foster being like, I have zero interest no, in playing this. I am a prestige actoire. Brooke Shields turned it down to study French lit at Princeton. Oh, Brooke Shields is very smart casting. That makes a lot of sense to me. Michelle Pfeiffer turned it down. Of course she did. Yeah, this is the year after Scarface. So I'm like. She's like, I'm not going from Scarface to, to, to splash face. I'm not uh, Scarface to splash face. No, no, she's not. But I also see like, I'm not going from Pacino to one of the bosom buddies. That too. Yeah. When you're like, I don't know who this Tom Hanks guy is. He's some sitcom actor. Right. Yeah, it is. The, it is. You know, at the time, it's the idea of like, I could see a lot of these women also being like, who is your lead? What? Yeah. I mean, it's like you're, you're watching. It, it's like any time you see someone making a leap from like a successful television show to movies, it's like every, it is a bit of a like, is this going to work? Right. You know, even though it's like, well, actors are actors. Well, of course. But, um, but that's like that's like John Jane Fonda, like the idea of Tom Hanks and Jane Fonda already. No. Yeah, that does feel wild. Yeah. But especially at the time of in terms of how they are established of what we are bringing to the screen. Absolutely. When you're like, OK, Jane Fonda already played, you know, Clute. Like we're you can't go backwards. Right. Julia Louis-Dreyfus turned it down. She would have been a wee little bear. She was. She um, had no film credit to this point, but she was on SNL. She was an SNL cast member from 82 oh. to 84. I mean, she's very funny. She is. But like this type of role it feels it feels very not in the pocket it feels like if you're going with someone like julia louis dreyfus you are shifting the role to be more to be contributing more to the hard seat comedy you know yes 
And and you mean letter C, not S E A, hard C comedy. Oh, brother, I do. You're so right, Jeff. Welcome to the Statue of Liberty. Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Interesting. I don't hate it. Yeah. No. 84 is the same year as Body Double, which was like helped her really launch her as her own actor and not just Tippi Hedren's daughter. And probably better for getting people to take her seriously than this movie would have done. Um, I mean, maybe. I mean, this movie. Well, just because you know, it made a lot made... of money. If you're playing like a, a right. flouncy mermaid, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. This is also Daryl Hannah. It's very early in Daryl Hannah's career. But she's year, like 22 or something filming this. Something like that. Her big thing before this was Blade Runner, which she's a very splashy fun role in Blade Runner. Um, but this was like one of the big things for her as well in terms of what we are bringing to the screen. Opposed to Kathleen Turner, who was considered, and that's right, this was the same year as Romancing the Stone. Uh, so I'm like, that's, she so you is want like, Kathleen Turner being like, I'm going to go swing on vines through the jungle. Yeah. Desperately in search of something. And like, it's, she's the protagonist. Totally. Sharon Stone turned it down. Well, I mean, she's hot, you know, so there's that. But I mean, is she right. funny? I don't recall seeing, well, you know what? Sharon Stone, I got to hand it to her. Pretty funny in Murderville. Murderville. With Will Arnett. Having true. to improvise with a German accent. Um, and just like the fact that it's, she's all improvising is like, okay, you know what props to you, Sharon Stone. Oh yeah. But that's also Sharon Stone. Like it, after she's got like nothing left to prove after she's got no, no craps to give. Not a one. Yeah. She's like, all right, I'll go do this show. I would be in show of an accent as opposed to like, you know, you're 22, you're in Hollywood. You're, you know, however yeah. young she would have been at the time. Totally. Uh, Sigourney was considered. I mean, I thought of Sigourney and Sigourney's very funny, but I just think it's, you know, not yeah i mean she'd be she'd be fine but i'm just kind of like it feels like a waste and also not really what she does really well you know i mean she is probably younger than i am assuming at this point but she still is like in her she's got to be like in her mid mid 30s at this point because i think she's like 29 during alien and that's 79 um yeah you don't need to look it up but it's like this is the same year as ghostbusters so it's the idea of like Bill oh, Murray yeah. and Sigourney Weaver doing splash. She's like an adult playing in the in the Philharmonic. She's got a real job. Right. Oh yeah, Sigourney was born in forty nine, and um, Daryl Hannah was born in sixty. So yeah, there's an eleven Whoa. year difference between those. So she'd yeah. been like thirty three. Which you know, then your movie fine, is a little. Yeah. I think that that's the way this film works, though, is that your two leads are young. Yeah, need to be in their twenties, or because you there's a version where you make it. We're really both leads should be the same age. And if they are in their 30s, that's fine. But it's I don't know. I think it needs they need to be very fresh. I think it's very aided by them, by youth, youth and and the foolishness of it. Don't you know? I agree. And a ding, ding, ding. Goldie Hawn was considered. Well, she's great. Which I love it. But it's also like this is Goldie Hawn years, a few years after Private Benjamin. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. And once again, she, of course, is in Swing Shift, where she met Kurt Russell. So much better choice all We're around. all thrilled for her. Angelica Houston reportedly turned it down. Well, now you know she was in the Little Mermaid Fairytale Theater. Oh, she was. Because this year, in 84, she was playing Marguerite in the Beauty and the Beast Fairytale Theater with Susan Sarandon and Claus Kinski. Oh, am I losing my mind? Barbara Hershey is certainly one of those sisters in Fairytale Theater. Maybe I've... Maybe I've just done it all wrong in my brain. You know, it's Helen Mirren and Pam Dauber 
and Treat Williams in The Little Mermaid of um, what? Fairytale Theater. Helen Mirren isn't the mermaid. Pam Dauber is, of course. Um, but uh, Helen Mirren plays like the other w- woman. Is Pam Dauber? Oh, she's an actress. <clears throat> well, you um, said, of course, Pam Dauber is the Little Mermaid. I oh, well, didn't know just if it like, was like no, Pam Dauber. You know, was famed like a, Olympic swimmer. I think she was Pam a television. Dauber. Oh, she Mork and Mindy. She was on Mork and Mindy. She's like a oh. hot American. Was she Mindy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I've uh, seen she, her in that then. A hot American versus like, you know, a, an uh, an elegant English woman mm-hmm. who's trying to marry the the prince of the right. Realm, I gotcha. You know? I gotcha. Um, I gotcha. Well, regardless, maybe thinking of Barbara Hershey and in and was it Brian Dennehy playing the dad? I don't know. Point is, everybody you in would know theater. more than I would. It's true. It's true. Anyway, Angelica Houston, I can understand the thought process, but it is a very different film. If Angelica Houston is your mermaid. Definitely. But yeah, this year she was doing fairytale theater. She had her tiny role in This Is Spinal Tap. And there's some other movie we did recently-ish with Angelica Houston up for a role this same year because she also had this film, The Ice Pirates, that I need to read the tagline again. I read it last time we this we covered, but the tagline makes me laugh. This movie, The Ice Pirates, that I, if I'm not mistaken, they slashed the budget and then like after the fact, decided to edit it and turn it into a comedy. Um, but the tagline is, see a universe on the rocks. See great special effects. See space herpy the love bug. See the evil emperor and his bird. See action-packed action. See ferocious space possums. That's the end of the tagline. Oh, yeah, I remember it now. I'm reliving it. I'm having a similar <laughs> wave of nausea about it. Uh, I'm curious about it. I'm curious about the Irish Pirates. Uh, Jill Clayburgh was considered. Oh. We really only know her from her latter career stuff of um, Bridesmaids and Running with Scissors. And uh, I saw her in Barefoot in the Park, speaking of, on uh, Broadway with Patrick Wilson and Amanda Peet. Amanda, Amanda Peet, actually. Yeah, for I see that. For the 90s, role. late yeah. 90s version yeah. of this, Amanda Peet. Late 90s splash. You know, Amanda Peet. I see the version of this in the late 90s with her and her uh, whole nine yards co-star, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry and Amanda Peet. Absolutely. I get that. Uh, and finally, Jamie Lee Curtis turned it down. So instead of perfect, we could have had John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis in Splash, which I do think that like that would be, you would want to just give her different things to do. She's yeah. just so much more um, like wisecracking. Like right. when I was thinking of like comedic actors who could have played this part, like, of course, I thought like Carrie Fisher, but I'm like, she's not playing this part. Like this is mm-hmm. not like you. It needs to shift like the role needs to shift tonally for that to happen. So um, interesting. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, even though perfect is terrible, is much better for her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Role wise, career wise. Right. I don't know that anybody needs uh, to put themselves in that, that. Ca- very imperfect in that regard. Oh, you're telling me I watch the whole thing. So those are all the characters that I found other casting options for, but there are a few characters we didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Not too many. This film is pretty narrowly focused on our main mm-hmm. folks um but there is a this actor richard b shell who plays dr ross who is kind of i guess our main antagonist who's the one that like really takes mm-hmm. over who i couldn't get over the fact that he sounds exactly like wallace sean to me like the voices <laughs> were near identical um which he is also in terms of his notable roles he is in clute speaking of with jane fonda uh, and this film that i've never seen but the few times 
when I was growing up, I would see that it was on TV. I was just like, well, I'm never going to forget that this is a film that exists. Is a horror film called It's the title is literally S S S S S S S, and it's about a college student who becomes lab assistant to a scientist who's working on a serum to transform humans into snakes. Oh my gosh! The same thing just happened with this, where I was like, eyebrows up. What's happening? Oh no! Head in my hands, a snake. (laughs) Oh brother, people really—it's amazing what gets made. It is, isn't it? it? Um, Howard Morris, who played Dr. Zydell, who's the, like, the more nicer, like, the Eugene Levy's, like, the guy that, like, kind of taught him. He's the huge mustache. He's, like, the older guy with the big, giant mustache. He's, like, an, he was a crazy voiceover actor. He was, like, in tons of episodes of, like, Flintstones and Jetsons. He was the voice of Adam Ant and, like, the old cartoon. But, like, going through his credits are, like, so many VO credits, including, which I did not realize it ran this long. Uh, 121 episodes of the 90s Garfield and Friends cartoon as Wade Duck. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure I watched roughly 121 episodes of Garfield there and Friends. There were a lot of episodes because I spent a lot of my youth watching them on a, on a Saturday morning. I preferred the Friends, like the Barnyard people. He was one of the Friends. He was Wade Duck. So if you remember Garfield and Friends, that was this guy, Howard Morris, and Dodie Goodman who plays uh, this this secretary who got struck by lightning and is Never now apparently lost her mind. Never the same. She's wearing her bra on the outside. She is a little cuckoo kachu. Um, is, we of course, loved as Blanche in previous episode, Grease. She's the one that works with Eve Arden in the uh, principal's office. Ah, uh, that, you know, a character actor always coming in for the kill. So final thoughts, Amy Joe. anything we haven't talked about? I've talked about most of the things that really uh, struck my ear. They're mainly geographical, mainly about coral reefs and the temperature of the water off Cape Cod um, that just made me laugh. Like, have, ha- has anyone been to New England? It's never cold. Is she migratory? Perhaps she's a migratory mermaid. Mm. I'm very glad I saw this i'd never seen it it's so much like sillier than i think i expect again i don't know what i expected i just had never seen it but you know there's some fun stuff in here i really like tom hanks in it and um i i love getting to see right after we like did a willy wonka episode getting to see mrs tv in another role uh, since especially that was a you know willy wonka is a movie i watched eight trillion times right um I just love how many character actors are employed in tiny roles here. And like all of them are great. The two guys who work in the store who are like watching her work out and everything. Like everybody comes in in those tiny like under fives and and like little featured roles and nails it. And I I do think partially that's maybe a testament to having a guy who was an actor in a sitcom for many years as the director who's like, I love actors and I want to find people. I know people who can like deliver. So let me like find those people and bring them in to populate this world. So I think in that respect, um, it's very successful. And I, I really enjoy that. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed John Candy. Yeah, I, I, I laughed out loud a number of times watching this. Yeah, mainly Hank's Candy and especially Levy were, were doing it yeah. for me. And nothing against Daryl Hannah. I just thought they just did not. She just needed more she's to under, do. She's underwritten. Underutilized, yeah. underwritten. And she's, she's there for us to keep 
almost seeing her breasts. They <laughs> just yeah, like Yeah, just to project every fantasy <sighs> onto in every respect. I just watching, I was like, man, they like how much of filming was like, nope, sorry, we saw the uh, you know, the t- the Well, the I'm sure they tape. had like nude pasties on. Oh, I'm so sure that you wouldn't have that well, happening. Yes, but there's still the camera is like, nope, you need to position your arm just so yeah. to hide and now you turn oh, on this. Oh, yeah. Be is like so seemed so elaborate. Um so in 2016 Producer Brian Grazer said that he was working on a remake of Splash, although this version is, uh, of course, because that's all we can do when we we remake or we can remake, but we switch them. So this is still 2019. The project is still in development, but attached or at least set to start at the time uh, is Jillian Bell as a human with Channing Tatum as a merman. I did hear about this. And Channing Tatum, <laughs> I completely forgot. perfect actor to play a beefcake merman. Oh, yeah. Amy Jo, Juf. what you recommending this week? I'm going to recommend a movie that you recommended to me and then what? we immediately watched <laughs> called The Kid Detective. Oh, so it's a good. 2020 film starring, what's his name? Adam, Adam Brody. Adam Brody. I keep being like, Adrian Brody is that guy. So who is this? Adam Brody. It's basically like there. there's a kid who's basically like Wikipedia Brown when he's like 11 or 12. He <laughs> Encyclopedia like, Brown? You know what? A friend of mine wrote a show called Wikipedia Brown and I saw that. So yeah, forgive me. That is a thing that I saw that existed in the world several years ago. Okay. That's great. This kid is like Encyclopedia Brown. He's like solving mysteries. He's getting written up in the paper. He's a real wunderkind. He gets free ice cream for life for like finding out who stole the this or the that from the store. And then... Um, one of his friends, who's also his like secretary, goes missing. Is like kidnapped, and everyone expects him to solve the mystery, and he doesn't. So then we cut to twenty years in the future, and he's like thirty-two, and it's Adam Brody, and he is, you know, a drunk, and he's still solving mysteries. But like everyone's like, oh, this guy, and very low, key, low stakes, low key mysteries. Yeah, he's like finding cats and trees. Yes, he know, is not sort of respected thing. by the town the way that a twelve-year-old doing this was. Would be absolutely so. Like he has this client who comes to him who's a high school student, and she wants him to find out who killed her boyfriend. So it's like an actual murder he's investigating, and it's it's so in like the style of noir, but like also making fun of it. I really love the the tone and the way it straddles the comedy yeah. and the send up of the genre while still being in the pocket of the genre in a lot of ways. I really dug it. So I think it was on Hulu and now you have to watch it on stars. Um, but you know, if you have stars, I recommend the kid detective. Love it. Jeff. Amy Joe. What you recommending? I'm going to recommend a book this week. Uh, the book Mouth to Mouth by Antoine Wilson, which is kind of a slow burn thriller a bit in the vein of just to give you an idea like in the vein of like a talented mr ripley although not to say too much but it's like don't go in expecting a version of that um but it is about this guy who kind of just happens to save the life of this older man who winds up being this like wealthy guy in the art scene uh and this this protagonist who saved his life suddenly becomes like becomes obsessed with the idea of like is this a good man that i saved and winds up accidentally finding himself entangled in the life of this guy in the art scene uh, and finds himself like deeper and deeper as the guy doesn't realize that he's the kid who saved his life um, mm. as they, the two of them wind up like their, their destinies wind up becoming entwined in some very fun, very um, 
suspenseful ways, not really thriller, but suspenseful for like of where is this very just like a it's just a real good yarn and it's a very fun read to be like where is this story gonna end up um so mouth to mouth by antoine wilson is what i'm recommending and that's what we're recommending this week so thank you again to chelsea for requesting splash thank you chelsea we give hanks for you and hanks to all god bless us everyone once again if you have a movie you'd love for us to break down the casting of you got to hit us up at andalmoststarring at gmail.com. Let us know. We would be ever so hankful if you would follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.